This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Here in for Larry and Gordon, we're going to a midnight as we have done all week long. Hit me up on the phones, 800-919-3776. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram, at Ty D. Butler. You know the vibes. Wednesday night here in New York City. You feel the, the chill starting to come. The official ending of summer, or I guess unofficial ending, happens on Monday with Labor Day. So you get one final shebang this weekend, go out there and celebrate. But uh, it also means we're getting closer to the start of the football season. What are we, eight days away now from Chiefs-Lions Thursday night football? And then, you know, the uh, old Mike Breen double bang as far as our local teams Giants on Sunday night football, Jets on Monday night football. So it all gets exciting in a little over a week from now. But before we get to the NFL, which there is a, a, a lot of layers to peel through, let's start with baseball. The Yankees over the last three days have all of a sudden become the hottest team in the sport. That's right, 6-2 win over don't sleep on those Tigers underrated Detroit Tigers. That ends a 10-series winless streak for the Yankees. Only their second series win since the start of July. Just their first road series win since the end of June. And how did it happen? Stanton goes yard. By the way, Giancarlo, you don't have to run hard if you just hit bombs. So he got his 20th home run of the season. There you go, Stanton. DJ continues to be hot and end the season on you know, a bit of a, a a nice streak that could get Yankee fans excited about what he could become next year, and maybe he's not washed. DJ goes yard, and Gleyber Torres, who has been their most consistent hitter, went yard as well. As far as the pitching is concerned, Garrett Cole continues his march toward Cy Young Award-winning candidacy. Uh, that was his 21st start this year, surrendering two or fewer runs. That is the most in baseball. He's got an ERA under three. He continues to look dominant. But, ladies and gentlemen, none of that is the story tonight. The question was, as the Yankees were unraveling, what is the reason to keep watching this baseball team? Aaron Judge is still one of, if not the best show in baseball. And if not for the injury... He'd be challenging last year's record-setting season of 62 home runs. And I would argue would be in contention, challenging Shohei for that American League MVP award, chance to go back-to-back, especially with Shohei dealing with the you know, elbow injury that has now suspended his pitching, at least for the short term. So Judge would have an opportunity to gain some ground on him uh, offensively and could have made it interesting. But speaking of Judge, it's 2016 all over again, y'all. 2016 all over again. The baby bombers. But it does come with some trust issues. What happened? Before the game, it was announced. Jason Dominguez, Austin Wells, on their way to the Major League Club. They will make their debut in Houston, fittingly enough. Uh, against the Astros on Friday when the Yankees uh, go set to take on the uh, the reigning defending champions uh, in, in a, in a, a three-game series down in Houston. So Yankee fans are going to get everything that they have been clamoring for. A look at the kids. Volpe has already been up here for almost the entirety of uh, of the season, and he's looked pretty good. 
Uh, the numbers aren't overwhelming, but we have definitely seen some flashes of greatness. Hasn't looked overwhelmed. And, I mean, clearly there are still some things he needs to work through both offensively and on the defense. But in year one, I think if you're being fair about what the situation was he was coming into, the shortstop of the New York Yankees, he has fared pretty well. And then you look at um, Peraza, who, of course, last year had some some experience and actually started three games for the Yankees in the playoffs. Uh, he hasn't hit this season, but I, I think that playoff experience, is he if he is to become a, uh, a factor on this team, is going to serve him well. We saw Everson Pereira get called up. The outfielder was the number three prospect for the Yankees. Had a slow start. Uh, RBI single tonight. Maybe that'll get him going. But the story of the day is you're now going to get an opportunity to see, uh, firstly, the most highly touted prospect for the Yankees, Jason Dominguez, 20-year-old outfielder, number two prospect. And, you know, he, he jumped from single-A to triple-A at the age of 19, which showed you just how fantastic he was. And the Yankees have been talking him up for some time now. So we're going to get an opportunity now to see if this guy really could be a, a game changer, a franchise changer as far as what the talent is and what the expectations will be once we see him. And then, you know, 24-year-old catcher Austin Wells, who was the number eight prospect, had 17 home runs in the minors, is going to, you know, make his presence shown, going to make his debut this weekend. And, you know, there were questions about whether or not he can catch at this level, which, ironically enough, we heard about Gary Sanchez uh, when he came up back in 2016. But there you have it. You're going to get a look at the youngster. So if you are a fan searching for just something to be optimistic about heading into the offseason, maybe you don't have as many holes to fill as you would have thought. Because right now, the vacancies appear to be catcher, third base, left field, and center field. And maybe even second base and first base. We have no idea what's going to happen with Gleyber Torres. His value is probably the highest it has been in four seasons. So will the Yankees look to deal him for pitching and and to help fill some of the holes on the roster? Or is this going to be someone they, they look to lock into a long-term contract? That remains to be seen. I mentioned first base just because Anthony Rizzo. Were the struggles where he just kind of fell off a cliff a product of the post-concussion syndrome symptoms or is he just on his way to quite frankly retirement and and no longer being uh, a legitimate uh, player in this league so those are 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 questions that have to be answered but I mean the fact of the matter is you watch this team they are boring they're old and they're slow which is a perfect recipe for failure and we've seen that come to fruition with everything that has unfolded this season. So now the Yankees are making an attempt to get younger and more athletic, which are the two terms you hear thrown around all throughout baseball. You know, you have to have your teams get you become younger and more a- athletic. But I mentioned trust issues. 2016 all over again with trust issues because we saw in 2016 that crop of guys come up. Judge, Sanchez, right? You know, Greg Bird, Severino. That was the future of this team. The trust issues become because we no longer feel like we can just take this organization's word at, you know, what they build these guys up to be. 
because we go from whenever there is a marquee name to be had via a trade, the Yankees have a prospect that can go get said marquee name, won't trade him because he's the future. We then see what that future looks like, and it pales in comparison to what the projections were. And all of a sudden, they're DFA, they're not effective, and they lose all of their value. So it remains to be seen what is going to happen with these guys. But the hope is they will fill many of those holes that I just laid out. And if that is something that ultimately you know, comes to fruition, then maybe just maybe they're not that far off. But doesn't it feel like this is trending toward the Yankees once they get to the offseason— having missed the playoffs for the first time since 2016, and now it'll be 14 years since they've last appeared in a World Series. Doesn't it feel like the answer is going to be, well, say, you know, remain status quo and then sell you on this youth infusion being the solution? Because it, it's it's funny, the progression we've seen over the last couple of months. It went from, you know, if, if we finish in last place— and, you know, we've got our, our guys back healthy, there are going to be some tough questions having to be asked to, oh, cash is safe, maybe Boone is gone. And now it feels more likely that they'll both return and you'll get some silliness about them overhauling their analytics staff. And I wonder where Yankee fans go for this. In lieu of firing everybody, starting this thing all over, blowing up the operation— you say, look, here is the surplus of young talent that, uh, that has been cooking in our minor league system. Let's go have some fun, watch them ball out, and maybe, just maybe, we are closer to title contention than we looked this past August, this past July. Because I tell you, that's coming. That absolutely is coming. And the Yankees have played much better of late, and I jokingly said, you know, the underrated Tigers. The Tigers stink. So there is not any—you can't put any stock into these games. As far as I'm concerned, the, the rest of the games don't matter. You're now at the point of the season where you're just evaluating players. You're looking at, okay, what is this guy's value going forward? And are you trading him? Are you flipping that asset into more? Or is this someone you're keeping on the roster because you think the next time you're in a championship series, you're in a World Series, they are a key cog to that? Those are the questions you need to answer. And, and I outlined all of the position players. I didn't even get to the rotation. Because you hear, oh, you know, Michael King trying to make that transition from bullpen to starting rotation. And boy, did he look good. Guys, it was against the Tigers. Johnny Brito. Yeah, yeah, same thing. It was against the Detroit Tigers. Clark Schmidt had a nice season. But Garrett Cole is obviously your ace, your number one starter. Outside of that, bunch of question marks. Nestor Cortez now coming off of a season where he was awful when he was healthy, but mostly hurt. And now you wonder if that all-star campaign was an aberration. Montas is gone. Severino is gone. So you've got a bunch of holes to fill. And now it's funny to go back in retrospect and look at the Harrison Bader trade. 
now that the Yankees are on the cusp of releasing him. By the way, how awful is it that he found out uh, watching TV? I mean, could this organization do any worse than they did this year as far as PR and optics to allow one of your starting position players to find out he's no longer going to be on your team and it not come from a conversation you had with him, a little courtesy, that's pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. But on Bader, you go back and look at the trade and you and you wonder, man, should we have just held on to Jordan Montgomery? And I'm not saying that he was, you know, otherworldly when he was on the team. He was really peaking at a fourth or fifth starter. But you look at him, this year he's pitching to an ERA of 3.19 and could be a valuable weapon now for Texas, uh, who's in a, a, a pursuit of a pennant. But the overall point is this. You just you, you don't know anything about your rotation outside of Cole. You have a bunch of holes to fill uh, as far as your position players. We don't know if the manager's returning. So there's still a whole lot to figure out, but at least in answering the question, what are you watching this team for the rest of the season? You have your answer today, and that's to see if this youth movement is going to blossom the way that it did seven years ago. And if that's the case, why not get excited about that? 800-919-3776. We're rolling. Ty Butler in Filari and Gordon. Hit me up on Twitter, at Ty D. Butler. We're on the phone lines, 800-919-3776. Want to hear from the Yankee fans. They just won tonight, but the biggest story is we're going to get to see the kids, which is something we've been clamoring for. So let's do it. Let's try to enjoy it. Hopefully this thing turns out okay. Ty Butler going until midnight right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. It is worth mentioning because I, I, I keep referring to what just happened or what is happening right now as, you know, it being 2016 all over again. Uh, the difference is the elephant in the room. In 2016, the Yankees were ushering out legends. Like we saw Jeter retire. We saw Mo retire. We saw A-Rod retire. And the Yankees didn't enter that season. They had actually been in the midst of missing the playoffs three uh, uh, three times in four years. They didn't enter the season as one of their favorites to win a championship, whereas this year they were. So fans right now are angry. In 2016, it was more of a relief after they had gotten swept in Tampa. Uh, Cashman sold everyone. You got the kids to come up, and Gary Sanchez raked, which invigorated the fan base, and you felt great going forward about the future. The difference is right now, you don't trust the organization. You don't trust that they're going to make the right decisions. And when you get to the end of the season, though you would expect that massive changes are going to come, or you should expect that, you might not think it's going to happen just because the Yankees are just too arrogant to admit that they should go in a different direction. Which brings me to this quote from Andy Martino of SNY from a couple of days ago. Where he said, you know, Steinbrenner would have to overrule Cashman in order to find Boone. And I'm thinking, what the hell is going on? If you are someone driving around, reading that statement, you would think 
that the pecking order is Brian Cashman, Hal Steinbrenner. Like, Cashman's the owner of the Yankees. What what does it mean that Steinbrenner would have to overrule Cashman? Hal is the owner of the team. Like, have you forgotten? (laughs) You own the team. There's no overruling. Now, I get that you trust your baseball people to make your baseball decisions, and the most sound organizations understand that, and that's across all sports. But this idea that you have to overrule him, use your eyes. What are your eyes telling you about this team? I mean, that's just nuts. That makes no sense. And then you listen to Brett Boone, who went on a sports talk in Chicago. And it's funny. I Look, I respect the fact that you're going to ride and die for your brother. That's dope. You should do that. He's family. That's blood. It, there should be a level of loyalty that usurps everything. But listening to him, it's like you hear the script forming. You hear the the end of season press conference that you're going to get from Hal and, and, and Cashman. And and some of it is just what we predicted weeks ago, what it would sound like. So here was Brett Boone when asked uh, if he thinks Aaron Boone should be fired, his brother. I'll take my brother hat off sure. again. If I'm going to look at just Aaron Boone, not my brother, the manager. I think he's done a great job. Who knows what's going to happen? If he were to get fired, I think there'd be teams lining up for his services. That being said, as an outsider looking at this, if you're an honest, good baseball man that can honestly evaluate and you put this season on Aaron Boone, well, then you're a guy that really can't have a conversation with me because you don't know what you're talking about. That's my honest opinion of Aaron Boone, the manager, brother aside. But then again, once it's out of my control. It's out of his control. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. At this point, as a baseball analyst, and I'll say that, I don't think he's going anywhere in the near future. Well, I mean, here's the problem, Brett. You, you can't take the brother hat off. Naturally, you're going you're gonna to ride for him. It, it's hard to be 100% objective. Secondly, I mean, doesn't that sound familiar? Oh, if he's fired, teams would be lining up to hire him. He's a great manager. I'm still waiting for someone to answer that question. What exactly does he do that's great? He's a great manager based on what? Never quite can get the answer to that question. Well, he has great relationships with his players. Doesn't make you a great manager. Just means you're well-respected in your clubhouse. But then he also says, well, you can't put the season on him. I mean, fam, you're about to see this team finish in last place. Of course you can put not all of the blame, but some of it has to go on him. That's just, that's ridiculous. I can't stand when people say that. Here was Brett Boone on uh, what his brother deals with managing this team. To be in that pressure cooker on a daily basis, yeah, it probably gets old. Listening to people yelling nonsense that that really don't know the game, asking you a dumb question. (laughs) I've had a little, I've had it happen to me a lot. It happens. But that's what you signed up for, buddy. (laughs) And when your team isn't playing good, you're in New York. You're going to hear about it. And if you're willing to stand up and take it, and I think Aaron is, you're going to weather the storm. If you're a great baseball man, you're passionate, you're as well-prepared as anybody can be. And sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. Ah, stop with the, the media doesn't know the sport. Like, can, we, can we 
stop being so damn insecure. We get it. You you see because you played at the major league level and you were really good, like there's a different eye and you have a certain intellect that the average fan and media members who didn't play the sport can't compare to. So there are you know, there are levels to this and you're certainly at a at a heightened level. But stop with the, you know, talking down to people. It makes you look weak. It, it, it really does. The, the condescending uh, attitude and behavior, just say what it is that you're watching. We don't need you talking down to us. But he also talked about the Yankees' inferior product is not on the fault of Aaron Boone. When the game starts and you do the best job you can, you and your staff, to put the best team available in that lineup, put them in positions you think gives them the best opportunities to succeed, and the national anthem's over, you're done. All you can do is get the lefty up, get the righty up. What do you think we should do? And nowadays, <laughs> everything's run by a computer. Oh, bring him in in the seventh, not the third time through the lineup. <laughs> so true. I tease Aaron a lot about it, and I said, what are you going to do? At some point, you just have to say, this is out of my control. This is all I can do with the personnel I have on the field. And the personnel that the New York Yankees, if I'm being honest, put out on a daily basis this is an inferior product to the top teams. And that's just the way it is. It just sometimes things don't work out. So he's taking a shot at Cashman there, but he's also being contradictory. You're calling your brother a great manager, but you're also saying that he doesn't do anything because everything's run by computers. So pick one. Pick a side. Pick something. Can't both be a great manager and then, you know, hands-off approach because the the, the computer geeks are are, are running the operation. Got to pick a side, bro. Got to pick one. Nate's in New Jersey. He passed leadoff tonight. What's up, Nate? What's up? How you doing, Ty? How's everything going? Doing well, man. What's going on? Talk to me. I'm I'm a frustrated Yankee fan. You know that. Uh, I've called in a bunch of times, even before the season. I told you what my frustrations were, and now they've come to kind of fruition. Uh, the front office, Brian Cashman, in a special, think that Yankee fans, New Yorkers, people who live in New Jersey, the tri-state area, that were stupid. They're trying. They're gonna. They're gonna run this same BS that they ran last year. They're gonna try and run it back. Now they have an excuse. Hey, if these kids play well, oh look, see, now now we can just run it back. And if they don't play well, see, oh well, this is what we told you. It's a struggle. This that the other thing. They're gonna come up with every excuse in the world not to make any changes. Cashman's not getting fired. Boone's not getting fired. They're not getting any any of these contracts. Essentially, we're going to be running the same team back for next year, and we're going to just be—it's garbage. It's—it's it's really what it is. It's—it's it, it's just so frustrating, and I just want to hear what you got to say. I know—I know you feel the kind of the same way, Bob. Listen, I appreciate the call, Nate, and I utter the same sentiments. It's almost like you're obviously you're rooting for these young guys to excel. You want to see that there is a a bright future on the horizon. But what comes with that is what you just said. They're going to sell you on, see, we now have the talent. We are now younger and more athletic. Last year, our problem was our roster just wasn't good enough. And what should you expect us to do when our best player misses a chunk of the season? And then we lose all of our pitchers in the toughest division in baseball. They're going to... They've got a handbook of all the excuses. They're ready to launch. 
and then they'll do the whole circular thing where it's, you know, but it, it still falls on us. It was a disappointment, and we got to wear that. But all the excuses are, are right there for them. They are going to try to appeal to you and your emotions by saying, you know, if these guys do what we expect them to do, we are, they are ripe for harvest. We're not that far off. And, yes, that's the frustrating part because Yankee fans are out for blood. We're tired of the, the excuses and this, like, anytime you suggest that Cashman is most responsible for this failure, you're met with, well, look at his resume. How do you not appreciate the fact? And then this stat that came out, uh, they've only played 18 games in his tenure where they were mathematically eliminated. You know me. I, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll put the conspiracy theory hat, and it does feel like with all the pressure on the GM, he floated that stat out to someone so, you know, that could be disseminated to the masses and we could look at the totality of what he's done and say, you know what, maybe he's not that bad. Two things can be true. He's a really good GM who's had a lot of success here, but it is also time for him to go. 800-919-3776. I see the calls lining up. We'll get to you when we return. Also, some news on the Mets front. They're getting younger and more athletic. We'll talk about that coming up as well. Ty Butler going until midnight right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. We are here until midnight. Back tomorrow. Then once again, back on Saturday afternoon, 3 to 6.30. You'll hear from me on Labor Day, 12 to 3.30. And then week one, September 10th, Sunday. Not this coming Sunday, next Sunday, I will be on these airwaves from 11 to 2 with Brandon Jacobs. So we'll be breaking down all the action as week one will have already been underway with the, the Chiefs and the Lions live from Arrowhead. So we'll react to that and, of course, look ahead to Sunday night football with the Giants taking on the Cowboys and then the Jets take it on the Bills, and then look at the entire slate. We'll have season predictions, so it'll be a whole lot of fun with myself and Brandon Jacobs. Looking forward to that. But right now we're talking Yankees. They call up Jason Dominguez and Austin Wells, or they are expected to call them up ahead of Friday's game against the Astros. Uh, So it'll be exciting to see the two youngsters come up here and, and show what they can do. We've heard a lot about them all year long. Jason Dominguez is like higher on the excitement chart just because of what he's been able to do in the minors. Went from single A to double A at age 19, and he's produced. Switch hitter. So that's going to be valuable for this lineup, assuming he can come in here and be productive. And then Austin Wells as a lefty. The Yankees have struggled the last couple of years finding balance in their lineup, which is something they made so popular on those uh, all, all, all those championship teams. So if these guys hit, then there you go. You've rectified what has been a, a problem the last couple of years that is that is you know bedeviled you, especially in the postseason against elite pitching. So that's the reason to keep watching games. 800-919-3776. We go to Jersey City and we chop it up with Will. What's up, Will? Hey, what's up, Ty? What's going on, man? How you doing? Hey, hey, I love some of the points that you made. Um, I also love the last caller that called in. I think that, you know, I think that they're they're definitely going to try to sell us as Yankee fans in regards to this youth movement. But the problem is, and the reality is, like I was telling the guy that 
was um, the happy on hold, um, it's not like we're looking at a top 10 farm system. Dominguez has a lot of ability. They paid a lot of money for him in the in, in Dominican Republic, but you're talking about the 23rd ranked farm system in baseball. We're not in the top five or ten. It's just not a good organization right now, whether it's in Latin America what we're doing, whether it's here in, in the U.S. what we're doing. We haven't landed no big-time arms or, or bats at the coal or let's say the guy that we have now, 99, Judge. Like, we had a chance to go get Freddie Freeman. We had a chance to get Kyle C. We had a, ch- we had a chance to get one of those shortstops in that class. Yeah, I know Anthony's doing a great job, but listen – there's a lot of mistakes that we've made, and we're seeing it, and we're seeing it. Like, for me, the icing on the cake for me will be let let this guy, um, Howe, come on the radio at the end of the year and admit all your wrongs, admit that as, a, as an organization he made mistakes, Brian made mistakes, obviously Boone made mistakes. We all made mistakes, right, as an organization. Take the blame, and, and, and let's go get the right guys. If the, if the thing is we're going we're gonna to blow it up for a year or two, like Atlanta did, like Houston did those years, let's blow it up. But let's be honest. That's all I'm asking for, honestly. Listen, that's not, that's not too much to ask for, Will. I, I can't argue with you. I, I cannot argue with anything you just said. And I appreciate the call. Listen, the I guess like if we were to power rank what are the most egregious, I should say, transgressions on the part of the GM, we can look at what he's done in free agency or not not done in free agency, and maybe some of that's on the owner. We we can look at the failed trades. But also, underrated is the lack of player development, which is what I alluded to. How is it that these guys, we get sold a bill of goods on, they just every single year depreciate? And when's the last time you developed a pitcher? Severino was supposed to be your ace. That was supposed to be the guy at the top of your, at the top of your line. And, you know, you can look at injuries that have played a factor. But the Yankees just don't develop pitchers. Who have they developed outside of Judge? Now, you don't ignore Judge because, I mean, that that's a massive hit. That's a home run, no pun intended. But the fact that this, this farm system hasn't been able to produce any, you know, real blue chipper, game-changing talent, that's an indictment of, of, of Cashman. That should not be overlooked. And I, look, the caller made excellent points. I wanted to mention the Mets because it just came down that they are expected to call up uh, Ronnie Mauricio, infielder, switch hitter, who entered play today with an 860 OPS, 23 home runs, plus 24 steals. So he's got that dual threat element to him. Played 115 games at AAA Syracuse. His problem was that he struck out too damn much. And when you go to the plate five to- every five times you're striking out once, that's a disaster, and I get baseball is moving toward being more accepting of strikeouts as long as you provide the power numbers, but that was just too much. So it's come down a hair. He's lowered his strikeout rate to 18.2%. He's seeing the ball better, and, and, and you're watching that result in more walks. Uh, but Ronnie Mauricio, 
just like I, I said for Yankee fans, you know, what, what you can be excited about just the last month of the season playing in meaningless games, that's what the Mets are going to get with, with Mauricio. Now, his natural position is shortstop, but obviously you've got, uh, you know, you're held up there because of Frankie Lindor. So it's going to be him trying to find a position. Is it second base? They're going to throw him into the fire and see if he can learn that position and, and play it well. But you're going to get Mauricio up here. And, and that is going to be something that ignites you as an organization. Because when you become sellers at the deadline and you get rid of your two best pitchers, you're looking ahead to the future. And you're hoping that you know some of the guys you traded for become stars. And, you know, Mauricio was just a name that the Mets had been developing that, you know, all year long we were were wondering, when is he going to come up? And now with the the rosters expanding from 26 to 28 with the September call-ups, you're going to see a lot of these players come up and and showcase what they can can do, showcase their abilities, and just try to give you hope for whatever, you know, the situation is, you know, however bad you think it is, not being that far off from being turned around. And we'll see if uh, Brett Beatty joins him. You, you know, he's had his struggles this year. Didn't give you any power. Offensively, was just a mess. But maybe the Mets will, you know, give him a second chance and, and, and give him that opportunity to come up here and get some confidence. You end the season strong. That could be a, a difference maker for you going forward. One thing I don't understand when it comes to the Mets is entertaining trading Pete Alonzo. If you are a Met fan, the w- how you were able to quickly pivot from being in championship or bust mode to, all right, now we're rebuilding, was what you were sold on. And that was, look, we've igno- we, we've, we have three months of evidence. We're just not a championship-level team. We've got all these expensive contracts. Let's put the brakes on this process. Let's take our most valuable assets, who we don't feel like is going to be part of our future, have some money attached to these trades, pay off a lot of the contracts so that we can bring back some prospects and rebuild our farm system because that's the healthiest way to build your organization. You draft well, you go out there and get some international prospects, you build your farm system, they come up, and then bam. With the money you have at your disposal, available to spend, you're the richest owner in baseball, the richest owner in sports. That's a luxury that no other team has, but that has to act as more of a supplement than the primary. Let's build this thing from the ground up. So Met fans who have been patient for a long time, which is something you got to give them credit for, they can gravitate toward that because you're selling them on hope. And yes, you're not going to hit on every prospect, but it makes sense. And the writing was on the wall. You know, winning against the Nationals wasn't going to change your projections on the season. So it was right for them to do that. But they were told this, this retool, this rebuild, isn't going to take that long. Maybe next year we have nothing going for us, but 2025, we're ready to roll again. How are you getting closer to becoming a contender by trading your best player, your most valued asset, a fan favorite? 
And I'm not saying you should allow emotions take precedent over good business decisions and good organizational decisions. But I just don't understand. Like, what are you getting back for Pete Alonso? You're getting back more prospects? That's taking you further away from contention. How are you selling your fan base on, you know, we're not that far away. We just needed to rejiggle this thing. But you're trading the best player away. A guy who right now is, if, if he stays healthy the rest of his career, is going to surpass 500 home runs. This could be a team captain. Fan base rallies around him. Still must-see television. Keep your fans interested. I don't get that. That just, to me, reeks of bad decision-making. And, you know, the retort is, well, you know, face first basemen have become running backs. You don't pay first basemen. They're easily replaceable. Look at what the World Series champion Atlanta Braves did with Freddie Freeman. I get all that, but this situation is a little bit different. This is your best player. You hold on to him, and you rely on the fact that he's been great for this team, great for the organization, and then once you're able to turn the page on this rebuild and, and go right back into contention a year or two from now, he's in the prime of his career, and he's going to help you kickstart it. I don't understand that. 800-919-3776. Back to your phone calls. We will talk football at the top of the hour. Uh, some AFC quarterback rankings came out. So I'm excited to talk about that. The Giants still on the table as far as like what the expectations are. And I, I heard Don LaGreca and, and Dan Grassa talking about it earlier on the K-Show. So I want to get uh, their thoughts on it because we have some sound that I want to play from them and then react to it. So it's still a whole lot to do. We're going to midnight. Ty Butler, hit me on Twitter at Ty D Butler, 800-919-3776. We return with your phone calls next right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. So even as a Jets fan, I'm, I'm good on hard knocks. It's been fun. You love to see the personalities and the speeches. I'm ready for football already. Uh, let, let's get the season started. Let's get the season underway. It's, it's been fun. It's been entertaining. And, and if you're a Jets fan, it excites you getting all the behind-the-scenes action. By the way, Jihad Ward, Manji, chill out. Chill out. That I mean, what you did, I'm not going to say it was embarrassing because I, I respect the fact that you were going out there and he explained that, you know, he, he, was, he was standing up for his teammate. But come on, fam. You, you're going to tell Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, that you've never heard of him right before he throws a touchdown pass? Man, that hurts. That hurts. Joe Leo, you're a Yankees fan. You're excited to watch the youngsters the rest of the season? I am. I don't think it will ultimately matter all that much, but I at least want to see if they can play because both of them have been hyped beyond belief, more Dominguez than Wells, but for years. And with this Dominguez stuff, He's getting the exact same hype Judge was getting. Mm -hmm. Oh, just wait until this guy comes up. You won't believe what this guy in the backfields is doing. Can we see it? And I hope he's as advertised. I hope he's the Martian. I hope he's the 19-year-old 21st century version of Mickey Mantle. I really do. But 
Are we really going to see that against subpar competition too? Look who we play in September. It's not, you know, the the best of the best. Yeah, that doesn't matter. It, 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 the competition is almost like the competition just is meaningless in the grand scheme of things. You just want to go out there and 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 play well. I don't know if it's and, completely meaningless though. Well, I, the my, level of pitchers matter. No. no, my point is that if let's just say he has a Gary Sanchez like September. Where Gary from August to September was one of the best power hitters in baseball in that 2016 season, no one's going to say, "Oh, well, you didn't play anybody, you didn't, you didn't hit any elite pitching." That is going to carry you into the off season, into next year. You're now thinking you might have a legitimate superstar uh, on your team. But as far as like, you know, going back to what we got with Judge, like it's crazy that was seven years ago. And it's been that long since you've been able to produce high-end talent. That's a long time ago. You think gut feeling, Cashman and Boone both come back? Yes. Both of them? Yes. Oh, Yankee fans ain't going to like that. I don't I, I don't want that to happen, but it seems like it's almost, you know, the, a little bit with the Knicks in a way where— Wow, so we're at the point now where we're comparing the Yankees to the Knicks? Well, in this in this respect, where— No disrespect, Knicks fans. I love y'all. That's Joe Leo trying to make—he's a Nets fan, so, you know, he has nothing to, to be excited Bing about. Mikel Bridges, I mean, come on. No, love but him, but— it's... It make, it, it's almost at the level of—and I love Mikel Bridges, but— that's besides the point here. It's almost Cam at the level, Johnson and Spencer Dinwiddie. No, there you Din- go. Dinwiddie can go take a walk, but it's almost at the level with the Yankees at this point, where they've reached the Knicks, where every move they make is the wrong decision. Every move they make is the one that you wouldn't make if you were in that position. You think Josh Donaldson gets an invite to Old Timers Day like a decade from now? Um, is it the Scranton-Wilkesbury old-timers? By the way, why aren't they playing a game? Do we have any insight as to why it's just this, like, Q&A? Like, it's cute, but uh, entertain me. I want to see... Like, I love when when they actually play. Didn't we get Matsui hit a home run a couple years ago? Like, that's fun. I don't want to see a Q&A. That's that's boring. Could it be that... And I'm just purely speculating here. Could it be that some guys just don't want to play anymore? Well, you don't have to. You don't have to participate. But for the guys who do want to play, like I would love to see Jeter get up there and take a couple at bats. That'd be fun. How how good would it be, Mo versus Jeter? Oh, that would be awesome. That would be better than any Yankee game you're getting the rest of the year. Maybe the next two years. <laughs> I don't, uh, if it's if this thing is two years, ah oh, man, that's long. By the way, guys, uh, we're gonna blow past this out. Uh, we could skip the sports center. Lonnie's in Harlem wants to talk about the Yankees youth movement. What's up, Lonnie? Kyle, since it was going on, Joe Leo Harvey was going on. Shout out to the company, of course. Um, oh, and I'm going to just say this right quick because you got, you know, your, your second hour callers who like to call in and take little unnecessary shots. Keep my people's name out your mouth. Um, oh, we got Cola yeah. Beef. You know I love that. You know I love the shenanigans and the chaos. And we get on here, people taking shots at each other, hosts taking shots at each other on the station. I'm all for that. I like that type yeah, of we know you. We, we, we know you all for that. You roundhouse kicked Dave I last got, night. Yeah, I didn't get a response from Dave today, which is very disappointing. Yeah, I was a little disappointed in that too. But listen, I'm not here for that. 
Um, but listen, what I called in for, I don't know if you heard my message on IG, but I'm going to just tell it to you now as I was telling Joe when I called in. I just hope, you know, <clears throat> Yankee fans don't take this ploy as a reason to go to the stadium and support. Not not, not so much support the young fellas, because that's what we should be doing, but so much as support and keep lining the pockets of the Yankees and howling them. Like, this, Cashman tried to say it wasn't a ploy, but that's exactly what it is. You feel me? Like, you know, yeah, we need to see these young boys play, but you should you could have did this a while ago, at least almost maybe a couple series ago, and now you're doing it, and then you're going to say it's not a ploy when it is. Once again, Cashman just being the person that he is, trying to basically outsmart everybody in the room, even if there ain't nobody in the room, he's trying to outsmart himself. <laughs> like, bro, stop. Come on. So, like I, like I was telling Joe, like, we can all sit here, support these young fellas, Dominguez, Peraza, all of them. We can do that from that from our own couches, watching watching with you know with our, within the comfort of our own homes, eating our own popcorn that we ain't got to pay ten dollars for. And then when the new season starts next year, if we all feel up to it, since the ticket prices is going up and they're telling you that now, how you how you? That's another thing that this team is doing. It's like, come on. So, like I was trying to tell Joe, we can all sit here and support from home. Now, Ty, I just want to give you a quick note on Aaron Rodgers and your Jets right quick. I've been watching Hard Knocks just like the rest of you guys. Um, the one thing, I, and I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan. Joe knows this. Like, I, I watched this man basically his whole career. Like, that's my favorite quarterback all the time. The one thing I always say about Aaron that I don't like is that he likes to throw to one receiver yeah. only. And if you and if you seen in Hard Knocks the, the latest episode, he called one person over at the that whole uh, you know couple passes that uh, was going awry or whatever. He called one. Gary Wilson. Over. Yeah, I'm I up mean, against the clock, Ronnie. Right. I gotta run, but yeah, we saw it. Uh, appreciate the call. We saw it in the twenty. What was that? Twenty twenty one. That Niners game with uh, Devontae Adams, where he just kept forcing him. And then they showed the play on uh, what could have been a game-winning drive for the Packers. Alan Lazard right underneath is open. So yeah, that that that's 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 very accurate criticism of Rodgers and in big time situations, especially in playoff spots. He zeroes in on his best receiver, and you know everyone else gets you know frozen out, iced out, and now he becomes easier to defend. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. We will uh, get to the to the football part of things once we return. Ty Butler going to midnight right here on 98.7 ESPN.